0: The scripture says of Jesus, we have a great high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses. And so one way that I become like Jesus is I willingly discomfort my body in a way that other people are unwillingly discomforted in their body. And the reason I do that is so that I can grow in empathy. It's going to be really hard for me to love the poor the way Jesus loves the poor if there's not a sacrificial practice by which I'm training myself to love the poor.
1: You're listening to the Rule of Life podcast by Practicing the Way. In each season, we explore an ancient practice from the way of Jesus and its relevance for the modern era. This is Season 3, Fasting.
2: Welcome to the Rule of Life podcast. This is episode four of the Fasting Series. I'm here with John Mark.
1: Hello, Yinka. Aloha, everyone. Hello, aloha.
2: Hello. And later on, we'll get to have Tyler Staten. Mm, come um, on. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been getting to chat about some of the, the kind of anchors reasons that we are fasting or why we fast. And we'll get to talk today about standing with the poor as one of the themes um, of why we fast. So John Mark, would you give us a summary of episode four?
1: Yeah, to start off, um, I open with a few statistics on poverty and hunger, both mm. here in the U.S. and around the world. And then I do a little compare and contrast with food waste, which is mm. fascinating. Yeah. You know, the average family of four in America wastes $1,500 oh. of food you- a year. <laughs> oh <God>. and uh, <laughs> And then the food waste, this is just America, not like the Western world or the world yeah. as a whole. The estimates range between 80 and 160 billion pounds (laughs) of food a year are thrown in the garbage by Americans. Wow. So it's just a fascinating juxtaposition. We live at this unique moment in human history where Mm. for most of us, our problem with food is too much abundance. It's Mm -hmm. not scarcity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the first time in human history, most of us, our problem with food is like a healthy relationship with it. Right. You know, overconsumption, injustice connected to that. Most of us have too much food. But then large swaths of the country, people hiding in plain sight in our own neighborhoods Mm. and cities Mm. and even in our churches and, of course, around the world, don't have any at all or don't have enough. And then I frame the practice of fasting as a kind of practice from the way of Jesus to stand in the gap. Mm. This Mm. fourth and final reason for fasting, to stand with the poor, is one that I think is least understood by many modern Christians, mm-hmm. but it has a long history in the church going all the way back. I mean, prior to Jesus, to Isaiah 58. So mm-hmm. I exegete kind of a little bit through Isaiah 58 in the teaching. Yeah. Let me just read one excerpt. Yeah, do. from the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus is not this, the kind of fasting I have chosen mm-hmm. to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood
2: how compelling, my goodness that's
1: straight out of the Bible Straight out. and that is not how most of us think about fasting it's like, you know, Mm. well it's a way to draw closer to Jesus or to grow in holiness or to amplify your prayers, all true but in Isaiah's frame it's like, no, you fast to share your food Mm with the hungry and to do justice, basically. Mm. And uh, I found this quote from St. Augustine, 4th century. He said, break your bread for those who are hungry. Uh, This was in his commentary on Isaiah Mm. 58. Break your bread for those who are hungry, said Isaiah. Do not believe that fasting suffices. And this this is interesting. Fasting chastises you, but it does not refresh Mm. the other. Wow. Right, that mm. like biblical theology. If your yeah. spiritual disciplines aren't good for other people, then yes, they aren't good. Yes. Do you wish your prayer to reach God? Give it two wings, fasting and almsgiving. Mm. Oh, that's a fascinating like, wow. word picture of how, how does prayer yeah. rise from our heart to heaven, yeah. two wings, fasting and almsgiving, Beautiful. which is this ancient yeah. kind of Christian word that kind of incorporates, I think, what we today would call justice generosity and charity yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah. charity is another yeah. way to translate it and it's kind of an ancient paradigm that's been lost a little bit for reasons we'll get into but in the biblical imagination almsgiving is just as tied to fasting as prayer mm. so in the same way that it's hard for us to imagine fasting without yeah. praying I mean it's theoretically like, intermittent fasting is a whole yes. secular version of it <laughs> yeah. where there's no prayer involved no, super popular it's, more it's more just very good for your body yeah. you know and to cleanse yeah, your, and your and system you or whatever guess, yeah. but for a christian, it's hard mm. to imagine fasting without praying. Mm. It should be just as hard for us to imagine fasting without giving to wow. the poor so good you know well. or prayer without you know without giving to the poor so yeah. oh. I quote a number of patristics and leaders down through church history, including the Shepherd of Hermas, uh, which is a second century text that was almost canonized, actually, in the New Testament, that gives instruction and pretty much all the instruction on fasting down through church history. This is made explicit. Take Mm. the money at a very pragmatic level. Take the money that you would have spent on yourself for food during that time period and give it away, Mm. the money or the food, to the poor. And then I break this kind of final reason for fasting down into three subcategories or sub-reasons. One is to stand in solidarity with the hungry. Mm -hmm. So to let the discipline form, like you start Mm -hmm. to feel compassion for people. When you voluntarily go without food, you begin to realize there are millions of people that right now are involuntarily going without food. And they begin to become not a statistic or a face on a website or a concept or an other But a brother, a sister, mm-hmm. you begin to feel your heart move with yeah. compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Secondly, to share what we have. Again, yeah. at a pragmatic level, you take yeah. the money and you yeah. give it away. Or you yeah. take the time. Mm-hmm. And like one of the first things you realize when you fast is just how much time goes oh, into goodness. eating. Thinking of food, it's not just eating. It's thinking <laughs> and meal planning <laughs> yeah. and grocery shopping yeah. and cooking Absolutely. and yeah. setting the table and eating and <clears throat> cleaning up yeah, afterwards. Yeah. And then working enough to pay for all <laughs> of it, you know, like. A yeah. lot of time and mental yeah. energy mm. goes into eating. And so yeah. what else could you do, not just with that money, but with that yeah. time, mm-hmm. yeah. with those mental and emotional and relational mm. energies? And then yeah. the third subcategory is to stand against evil and injustice. Mm. So I suss that out a little bit at like a societal level. Mm. You know, you think of Gandhi yeah. or Oscar mm. Romero and El Salvador as a Catholic mm. priest, intellectual the way they used fasting to elevate kind of social awareness and yeah. to work for justice at a socio-political level, yeah. mm-hmm. but then also at a spiritual level. So I have a quote yeah. in there from St. Gregory the Great, who's the pope in the 6th century. It is impossible mm-hmm. to engage in spiritual conflict without the previous subjugation of the appetite. Oh. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That's <laughs> incredible So like in deliverance ministry, you pretty yeah. much always go into a yeah. deliverance session or an mm-hmm. exorcism after like a long period of mm. fasting yeah. to grow in holiness wow. and yeah. power mm-hmm. and spiritual authority yeah. to break through yeah. strongholds in mm-hmm. biblical you know, language of oh. evil and injustice. So yeah. the practice for this final week is basically the same as the previous weeks. Hey, fast until yeah. sundown one or two days that week, but then add to that, take the money that you would have spent, mm. give it to the poor, and then the reach exercises, take the time that yeah. you would have spent, and with that mm. time, serve the poor.
3: The Fasting Practice is a four-week experience designed to be run in your church, small group, or community that combines teaching, conversation, and spiritual exercises to introduce you to this ancient discipline for life with God. If you come on The Fasting Practice, you will not just learn about fasting, you will learn how to fast. The end goal is to integrate fasting more richly into your rule of life so that you can arrange your life around God. The Fasting Practice is completely free Thanks to the generosity of our friends in the circle, a group of people from all over the world who give monthly to Practicing the Way. Available now at practicingtheway.org.
2: So guys, tell us about this aspect of fasting in your own personal story. Jay, do you want to take us away?
3: Sure. So yeah, this is the kind of fasting I've practiced most, especially as of recent. And um, just as somewhat of an honest confession, I was a part of Bridgetown when we were in this series and it was wonderful, it was so powerful. But the reason why I think this practice never really integrated with my life was because I was missing a regular rhythm Mm -hmm. of being close. And committed to a people mm-hmm. and serving regularly. So thank God. You mean that a regular not, rhythm of fasting or fasting to stand with the fasting poor? Fasting in context of yeah. standing with the mm-hmm. poor. It was yeah. a beautiful mm-hmm. concept. But a nice was, idea, what was beautiful missing? Concept. Yeah, what was missing yeah. was regular space where I was actually present to that. Yeah. So um, now I have a space where commitment and a rhythm where I'm serving monthly. And this kind of fasting for me was birthed out of a time when I was just down there often. Mm. And when we serve in that space, there are many stations where a lot of our guests can receive food, Clothing, haircuts—I mentioned that some of my youth students are literally learning how to cut hair down there, which I don't know if that's a good thing or <laughs> bad thing, but it's happening. Yeah, and my boys, many other <laughs> my kids have served with you for many years, but don't put scissors <laughs> in your hands, man. But the Comer kids are good at foot washing. And I'll that's tell
2: you that. True. Such
1: incredible no thing. sharp objects.
3: <laughs> anyway, so I was helping to lead the clothing station. I remember I'm recounting this because this is a core memory for me. Mm. But the clothing station is a place where our, our houseless guests are given the dignity and the space. To choose, literally, yeah. to choose their like clothing, shopping, warm yeah. accessories. Yeah. yeah, and we just welcome them in and, and, and that are donated for the evening. So yeah. this is stuff that are donated. And I remember the night was kind of winding down. And we got to the point where we literally ran out of the warm clothing and r- ran out of many of the warm accessories. And the line was still long. Mm. I mean, more than eight to ten people. Yeah. And I remember walking one of our guests through the empty closets, honestly, just kind of apologizing to him as his face grew noticeably disappointed as we were walking through that empty space together. And it really actually, it really tore me up because all I could think about were the five jackets I had in home (laughs) and the awfully cold conditions of the evening and telling people, I'm so sorry, we're out of wool blankets. So this moment and other moments like this too, uh, would literally always send me back bothered in repentance and prayer and with questions. And so this really did come out of that space. Um, um, so now I try to do a full day fast every Thursday, where it's just no food. I do coffee and water. <laughs> and during the fast, no, no um, worry, okay, thank you. you. He is point nine 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 percent water. <laughs> and folks, <laughs> fasting breath with coffee is better than just fasting breath. So, okay, hear me out. Hey, I don't understand the science add. on that one. <laughs> it's just about something going. about it, you know. Anyway, so during this fast. Um, I, and, and actually our students have been practicing this. Yinka, we, she's on our youth team too. So yeah. she's been practicing this, but during the fast, we pray the names and faces of the folks that we yeah. actually meet and get to do life with down there, who those are in need. Yeah. So we pray Beautiful. the names and faces and they, yeah. now it's become something where it's more intuitive. Yeah. I used to have to practice it by grabbing a list, but on Thursdays, yeah, by God's grace and just rhythm, I, yeah. they start to come to mind and heart. Yeah, And so I get to pray that. And then, um. Like I said, serve regularly. And then here's what I've started doing recently. I've started to break my fast under the bridge mm-hmm. with um, our community down yeah. there. And to be honest, this because one is— Because there's
1: the, a meal with everyone. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. to
3: be completely honest with you, this part of breaking my fast to stand in solidarity with the poor has been very challenging mm-hmm. for me. Because nice. sometimes I have a judgment around the food and is this, you know, is it's, uh, is this— gonna be okay you know I don't yeah, want to get sick and it yeah. really kind of just has been cutting me as of mm. recent in a good way I guess but um I started out with just breaking the fast with popcorn because yeah, there, and yeah, eventually I, I made know. my way <laughs> to having the full meal <laughs> yes. and so now with the money that my wife and I would have spent on eating we get to give financially to this incredible organization that serves our friends down there regularly yeah. much more than I do and they serve them so much better so that's where finally, our finances are able to go to. And lastly, our goal, again, is to establish and deepen relationships with those there as we, or as I continue Mm. to fast too.
1: Beautiful.
4: My name is Carl Gully. I'm a pastor in Waco, Texas. I grew up here in a family with a dad who was an alcoholic and a mother who was the equivalent of Mother Teresa. Um, She was up every morning at 5 a.m. praying for us, and I had seen her fast and I had heard people in our church talk about fasting, but it seemed like something that the spiritually elite did. So I was not prepared when one average Sunday night church service, I was sitting there listening to the pastor. And I had not really been hearing God speak much, though I was pursuing Him. And all of a sudden, I felt this whisper to fast and pray for three days. Not audible, but just something internally told me I needed to do that. Well, that did not make sense because it was um, it was like end of August, early September, so we had just started football practice and the Texas heat is a beat down. So I told my mom and I said, that doesn't make sense. And we prayed and she just felt like sometimes God calls us to do things that don't make sense. And so she just said, every day at lunch, go into the school library, read your Bible, pray and seek God. So for those three days, that's what I would do. and. Honestly, I didn't feel like God spoke to me at all. I was just kind of hangry the whole time. And so, Tuesday night, I was so disappointed because I thought God spoke and gave you big dreams and visions and words from the Lord. And instead, I was just kind of mad. And so, I told God on Tuesday night, if you don't speak to me about tomorrow morning, I'm quitting this thing. And so, I woke up the next morning, and honestly, He didn't say anything, but I just felt peace and I could finish, and I did. I came home from church that Wednesday night, and I was eating a meal to break that fast. And my mom said, Carl, I want to tell you a story. Today I went to work and someone came up to me and said, Laurie, I've just been praying for you and I felt like God told me to give you this money and it was like 50 bucks. And then someone came an hour later and said, hey, Laurie, our small group was praying this week and felt like we're supposed to give you a gift. Here's $150. It happened like four or five times throughout the day. And the money accumulated to the exact amount of finances that our family needed to pay the bills that month, which we were often in need because of my dad's drinking. But I was not fasting and praying for that. I was just trying to obey God. I felt like the Lord was showing me that if I would trust Him and walk into the supernatural with Him, He would do above and beyond what I was even asking for.
2: John Mock, what about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to share. This is the aspect of fasting. I've been fasting for quite a while now, but this aspect mm-hmm. of it is still very new for me. Yeah. I did another round of research um, before this practice, and I was so struck not only by how central fasting was overall to church leaders yeah. down through pretty much all of church history until recently, but also like, how much this dimension of fasting to stand with the poor, to share your resources. I mean, I just found quote after quote after quote. I could not put it into the teaching because it would have been 20 minutes (laughs) just of quotations, (laughs) you know, of when you do this, stand with the poor, you know. I cut out this great uh, quote from Pope Francis, a very recent one, not an old quote. Does my fast help others Mm -hmm. if not it's fake? (laughs) Wow. It's inconsistent, and it takes you on the path to a double life, pretending to be a just Christian, like the Pharisees or the Sadducees..
2: My goodness. So I was like, wait, is he <laughs> saying that if I point? don't
1: give my money to the poor, mm. that's fake fasting. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it's like not actually really fasting. My goodness. and i'm I think that's kind of what he's <laughs> yeah, saying. Know, he's and, you know, you have to remember, this is hard for me to get my head around, but the fasting for most of church history, existed before the safety net provided Mm. by the modern nation state. So there was Mm. no welfare Mm. system. There was no social services. There were no government agencies. Mm. There were no, you know, that was not an option. So Mm. most of this work was done by the church for over a thousand years and then picked up later by the nation state. You know, (laughs) often the baton was passed from the church too. And that's a whole long, you know, complex conversation. But if you think about just the pragmatics Mm. of hunger and poverty, there was a very pragmatic need for Christians to raise a lot of money Mm. to feed the poor or raise a lot of food, you know, in a pre, you know, monetary-based economy, a more agrarian economy, to to scrounge up, to find food and resources. Like there was a very pragmatic need that we often don't think about. We pay our taxes. We're post-survival. We tithe to our church, whatever, and we just don't really think about how much how many resources are needed. My
2: goodness. We think of the followers of Jesus and Acts, you know, the story of like they had, they didn't lack because they share their resources. Exactly. Their community and your community didn't just involve people. The same sort of socioeconomical sort of place that you were, there were the, those who needed And people weren't um, divided resources. up economically
1: yeah. like they are yeah. to now by yeah. neighborhood and yeah. all the zip code, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So again, I'm really early into this dimension of mm. fasting to the point that literally as I was, Prepping this new round for the the fasting practice, we just moved, and so we're gone from all like the Thursday night thing and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I had to like Google food pantry in our yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, no and right, the damn. Salvation damn. Army That's came good. right up. There's like Salvation right. Army yes. food distribution yeah, yeah. center. Yeah. Nice website, quick donation button <laughs> right there. I'm like, okay, like <laughs> yes. this is this is not the <laughs> long term goal. Gonna, yes, yes, this is know, a short term. Like, all right, yeah. I can put twenty bucks in here where you know, are. Right, you know, like start where you are kind of thing. So Great. I think it's new for me. I'm, I'm just getting started. Mm-hmm. Inka, what about put you in the hot seat? What about oh, you? Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I know this is such a part of your heart. I mean, literally yeah. what you do with your life, oh. with your job, with your work.
2: A thousand times. I think this is probably one of the first places or um, introduction towards fasting for me um, because I think there was something about, for some reason, like fasting brought me so, I'm, I became so aware that there were people around the world who kind of like expected to function in life as was, you know, like kids going to school or like unable to sort of participate because they were so hungry. So this is something near and dear to my heart because it's like, it's another way, like in a very visceral way that I'm reminded because sometimes, especially in the earlier stages of fasting, I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm so weak. I can't, I don't want to do, much of anything else. to to think that people had to exist like this, still do Mm -hmm. exist like this. Um so that You're doing it by
1: choice. By choice. Mm Absolutely. There was like I can
2: then at the end of this plan what I want to eat. But to think that someone, a child, a mother, father, a person, you know, will be going about life. I mean it grieved my heart. And a few things bring me closer to like the acquaintance with what like my own kind of abstinence from something that's such a part, a rich part of my life. You know, I have choice. It's not just am I eating rice and beans or like semo or something. No, like it's I have choice on mm. the selection of things. So um, this is very significant to me. Mm. Also, grief connected to fasting, yeah. but wow. definitely connectedness. Poor. So, yes, um, John Mark, was there anything you had to cut out from the teaching? Because, of course, it was a shortened version of basically all that could be shared.
1: You can only say so much in 20 minutes. One, I think, key thing that never made it into the teaching for the fasting practice, if you run that, is um, that biblically and culturally around most of the world, Fasting is one of the primary expressions of grief, Yes. Mm. and I think that ties a lot into this idea of fasting for the purposes of justice. Yeah. I remember many years ago, um, there's lots of conversations the last few years, as is right and fitting, around justice and race mm. and all of that yeah. inside the church and out. But this was many years ago, before that was more popular yeah. at a yeah. kind of nationwide level. We had Mark Charles come out, were you? hmm yeah. I was there, I you took go- so no, no, many notes. Good. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with him, he's a Native American social oh, activist and Christian. He actually ran for president. And, he ran for uh, president, yeah, he had the slide. Yes, so he came yeah, out, and incredible. this was way before that, this was many years ago, we had about 800 people come out to a midweek lecture with a him. Ton. And he gave this lecture on, you know, the history of racism toward mm. indigenous people oh. in, in mm. North America. And, you know, you're just devastated. Devastate. Hearing the stories. I Goodness. mean, you're just, like, gutted. Literally your you body. Yeah. And uh, the first question, you know, goes to Q&R. First question is, what can we possibly do mm. to set something so heinous right? Yeah. Or not to set it right, but, yeah. you know, to begin... What can we possibly do? Yeah, And, you know, his first answer was, you have to start with lament. You have oh. to feel this in your body yeah. before you yeah. rush out and try to do yes. something. And not yes. that you should not go do something. Yeah, But you have to start with lament. And fasting is one of the best ways to lament, to mm-hmm. grieve, to um, let our body go deeply into sadness yeah. on purpose. Yeah. And let that sadness form us at a deep level. You know, there's a bizarre thing in at least American culture, I think it's all of the West, where whenever we face any kind of tragedy, be it Mm. an act of injustice or a story of racism or a school shooting or loss of a loved Mm. one or we lost our job or anything, you know, major or, or, or minor, uh... Our impulse is basically to turn to food,
2: yeah, yeah, not
1: away from it. That's like when mm-hmm. very true. if something bad oh were to happen to uh, you and Christian, yeah, T and I would be like, we're bringing dinner, <laughs> yeah. and we bring like lots of dairy yes. and carbs, <laughs> yes. and like you know, here's yeah. here's bread. Bread. or yes. something, yes, yes, like here's carbs, oh here's some bread, goodness. like yeah. here's a glass of wine, yeah. like here we're there for you, for we'll bring sure. you, we're for bringing sure. you a meal. But the interesting thing is that when you are sad, your body actually loses its yeah. appetite. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. So, actually, when you're really, really sad, you're not hungry at no. all. And if you were to listen to your body, mm-hmm. your body is yeah. actually encourage you, encouraging you not to eat, yeah. but to forego eating. Right. And yeah. often, eating is a way that we try to numb Numbly. the pain. Oh my goodness. That's and make the, the pain go away yeah. and not feel it yeah. rather than going deeply into the yeah. pain. Yes. You know, Scott McKnight writes, he calls this aspect of fasting body grief. Mm. And he writes, body grief is perhaps one of the purest examples of what fasting is all about. Yeah. A human being overwhelmed by the sacredness mm. of a moment chooses not to eat in order to sanctify his or her communion with God mm. and participate fully in one of life's grievous yeah. moments. Yeah. So I think you know this has been a really good learning point. My I watched my son recently. Uh, who's 17, so he's kind of in that threshold of adulthood moment. He had just uh, uh, what for him was a very sad thing happened to him, and he was just devastated. You could just see, just shut Mm -hmm. down. And it was interesting. It happened on a day when we were as a family fasting about a discernment uh, process that we're in about where we're moving. So we as a family, just him and my wife and I, not the younger kids, we're all fasting together that day and then on that day he had this separate thing happen that actually was tied to our discernment's long story but that was really sad for him mm. yeah. and uh t and i were chatting you know he's in his room like devastated it's like three in the afternoon and we're supposed to fast keep fasting and she's like should we just like break the fast and go mm-hmm. take him to in and out burger and like just get him a burger and <laughs> some fries and she's mm-hmm. like poor kid he's had a hard afternoon." And I, and everything in me as a dad wanted to be like, yes, son, get in the car. Come yeah. on, let's go down and get some French fries. Sure. Yeah. But then I realized, no, this is actually right. Mm. He's grieving mm-hmm. and yeah. he needs to do that. That's yeah. that emotionally healthy and mature mm-hmm. response to what just happened. Yeah, and so yeah. we let him just break it when he wanted to break oh, it, you know. Yeah. Naturally, it was like eleven o'clock at night. He started to have some chips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, no, but there's that's something how it goes. to be said about that. But like, you know? it just we let him, yeah. his soul, his body mm-hmm. go through this process. Mm-hmm. So I think, if nothing else, just hear this. What if next time there was a school shooting or another oh, story of racial yeah. injustice or another moment of tragedy? Yeah. What if instead of venting on Instagram yeah. or screaming on Twitter? we were to put our our mouth in the dust, as Jeremiah the prophet has, and Mm. we were to fast, and we were to grieve and Mm. lament by going without food to let our body deeply just grieve into God's presence. Mm. So I I didn't have a place to put this in, but I think, you know, grief in general and grief as directed toward injustice, that's one aspect of fasting that I think we miss.
2: Yes, and Reminds me of something JT shared in your interview on prayer and justice, and JT is a Christian social activist and the founder of civil righteousness and what he calls a holy activist. Um, he has a category for lament, but also intercession for God to change what is, as that it would change, you yes. know, that it wouldn't remain as is.
5: It's supernatural. It increases and heightens your senses, your spiritual senses, your spiritual eyes to see, mm. your spiritual ears to hear. Fasting unlocks the miraculous. It it literally, if if you say, "Well, I've prayed for miracles, but I've never seen a miracle." Well, fast. Uh, I've never heard God's voice. Okay, fast. It is Jesus modeled it for us, and I think that. We have an underdeveloped theology of fasting, meaning that the average believer in America could go to church their entire lives and never um, be formed in a lifestyle.
2: Of yeah, fasting.
1: you could be a Christian who's an active member in a church for your entire life and never fast once and not really even think much about it. Right. Absolutely. Which is which is astonishing. And that's not so much a criticism of you, whoever you hypothetical person are listening as much as that's just a statement about
5: what the church is right now. Right. And that is a historical aberration. Absolutely. Which is, which is why I'm just so grateful um, that I've had several mentors in my life who, um, who fasting is what they do, you know, Mm. and, I've seen and been a part of the, the miracle stories of when we're believing God for something and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And, we pray and it's like, Oh, wait a second, let's, let's assemble a group of people and we're all going to commit to a fast. And oftentimes the Lord will dictate the terms of the fast mm-hmm. fast for three days. Um, even, you know, there are different types of fast, the Daniel fast. I did an Esther fast one time, which was three days. Um, in the tradition of, of yeah, no water, no water, and no food. I've never done no water. Yeah, I've it, thought about it, but it ooh. was it was brutal. <laughs> it yeah. was, I passed out at the very end, but the breakthrough—it's the prescription, and that's that goes back to contending prayer. When I say contending prayer, I mean pray to win. Like we don't just pray and hope that. Well, maybe if we pray, maybe something will happen. Maybe, yes. and you're putting a a demand on on God, not that we tell him what to do, but there is this place of of relationship with with the Lord where there are certain realities where it's like, God, this is who you said that you are. This is the access that we have as sons and daughters. And this is what needs to happen. Yeah. And we, we believe that what needs to happen aligns with who you say you are and what you do. And the promises you've made. And the promises you've made and this is the time frame in which it has to happen.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. I love this idea that we fast to grieve when bad things happen yeah. and we fast to pray and intercede over against those bad yeah. things to like usher in the goodness yeah. of the kingdom of God. So yeah. it's both it's both, and. both and I and think both? that's really beautiful.
2: Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Practicing the Way is a crowdfunded nonprofit made possible by The Circle, a group of people from all over the world who believe deeply in the work of spiritual formation and discipleship, and give monthly to see formation integrated into the church at large. I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Simon. We're from Zurich, and we are a part of this community. To join us and others in The Circle or to share a one-time gift, visit practicingtheway.org.
2: So we are going to get to have Tyler Staten with us in a bit of an intro. Tyler is a lead pastor of Bridgetown Church, who I have the great honors of attending, um, and he's the author of two books, um, one recent, praying like monks, living like fools. And he's also the national director of 24/7 Prayer International, and just also as a, significant.
1: a model for hair. Yes, yes. <laughs>
2: if you're great watching style. on YouTube, <laughs> the
1: hair is especially good Billy today. Billy Ray Cyrus look-alike.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And just as significant, I think, he's a husband to Kirsten and a father to three beautiful boys and clearly has a heart for justice yes. and wanting to mm. see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. Tyler, thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, I'm honored to be
1: here.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, really According grateful
1: that. that you come on, my friend. Oh. Your hair looks amazing. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Jaren. You are like the Patrick Swayze of
1: the
2: kingdom of God. <laughs> he called really himself Billy
3: Ray Cyrus yeah. uh, in one of his teachings recently.
0: Yeah, it was a particularly tough night for me. Hair was that night. Was it at
3: 5 p.m.? <laughs> yes, it was. It was 5 PM. It was.
0: The, the last <laughs> gathering, you say things that aren't in the notes more frequently. And yeah. then I
2: remember
3: Google imaging him, and I was like, whoa.
2: <laughs> You're like, actually, thanks for this profound contribution. <laughs> Guys,
3: let's talk about fasting. Let's do
2: it. Let's do it. (laughs) So just is a bit of a loaded word, especially as we come to terms with like justice and its connectedness with um, fasting. um, Can you share with us what you mean by that? Like basically defining the terms, So when we say justice, do we mean the same thing?
0: Yeah, I think it's maybe easiest to be clear if Mm. we talk about what justice isn't Mm. and what justice is. Yeah, I find that framing helps. So what justice isn't is abstract. So Mm -hmm. I would say one dysfunction of justice in our culture is that we believe justice can be done from a distance, Mm -hmm. right? Or it seems that many people believe that, that justice is waving the right flag, taking the right stance, Mm -hmm. saying the right thing. Posting the right post. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. somehow I am caring for and doing justice on behalf of another from a safe distance Mm -hmm. from that other. And justice in the way of Jesus Has an endpoint that is Mm -hmm. kinship. Or I think people have different words for this. Uh, Father Gregory Boyle uses the word kinship, and Mm -hmm. I like that word, meaning for Jesus, justice is not uh, a need has been met. You know, it is not uh, bread has been given to the hungry. For Jesus, justice is the line dividing service provider and service recipient has been entirely erased and so instead of the hungry now having bread the plentiful and the hungry Mm. are seated at a table as equals breaking bread together as brother and sister right under one common father Mm. and so that's so justice is relational it isn't abstract secondly uh Justice is not disconnected from righteousness. So, you know, you were talking about the biblical language. Certainly, yeah, biblically, so. yeah. Yeah, biblically, in, many, in most instances in the Hebrew Bible, it's actually mm. the same word mm. uh, translated as justice wow. and righteousness. And I would say one dysfunction of justice within mm. the church is just to note a trend primarily through my generation and the generations coming behind me in the church is that those who are most passionate for justice in the way of Jesus Seem to be least passionate for righteousness in the way oh, of Jesus, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. almost like people are choosing the ethical way of Jesus or the social, social justice yeah, way yeah, of Jesus. Yeah. But we don't for Jesus and his early Christ. followers; these are one and the one same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they fit together. Righteousness and justice yes. are the foundations of his throne. Yes. Wow. Um. So I would say for and, Jesus, and that
1: pairing is used hundreds, not dozens. Hundreds of times in the Hebrew Bible, yeah. righteousness and justice. It is just the wisdom right. of
2: Jesus that you don't actually want one without the other. That righteousness and justice are like a marriage between that, like sort of drives the actions and the, even the motivations of the reason we seek for brothers to be kin. Mm. Exactly,
0: and so I, I would say another distinguishing factor of justice in the way of Jesus. Mm is that both of these righteousness and justice Mm. flow from intimacy with him. Mm. Mm. Probably my favorite picture of this is Mother Teresa who Mm. simplified her entire ministry down to before anything else in the morning I pray, and then I just go about my day trying to continue to pray by recognizing Mm. the face of Jesus in the faces of my neighbors. And that, she claimed, was the entire strategy behind the whole of her ministry, which Mm. became a religious order in the 1950s, continues to be one to this day. And then finally, Mm -hmm. the third thing I would say is justice is not angry. Um, Mm -hmm. For Jesus, justice was motivated by love, not anger. Even when Mm -hmm. people point to instances like the turning of the tables in the temple where Jesus was expressing righteous anger, that was born from a relational love that he had woven through knowing the poor Mm -hmm. and the oppressed that he was defending or yeah. speaking out on behalf and of their mm-hmm. not, it was not born primarily from anger at the priests. It was born mm-hmm. primarily from love for the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And I would argue, love for the priest. And so for Jesus, mm-hmm. both the oppressed and the oppressor are made lesser by justice.
1: That's the Zacchaeus story, too.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so for Jesus, love for Zacchaeus, the oppressor, yeah. And love for the blind and the lame and the discarded and the leper and the woman and the widow and the orphan. It it all was born from love. And Mm. most of the loudest voices in what is known as justice movements, at least in the West today, are primarily driven by anger. And if you're getting your definition of justice from Jesus, you've got to find a better motivator than anger. Mm. Mm. Um, so I would Even. say that's what justice is. Justice is love. Yeah. Justice is righteousness. Mm. Yeah. And justice
3: is kinship. Mm. Oh. Beautiful.
1: beautiful.
3: Tyler, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So I've heard you regularly at Bridgetown and whether it's our leadership summits to like, it's like all tends to be sprinkled in your sermons often and even seeing the way you live, but Mm -hmm. how biblical justice and mercy are deeply connected, interconnected even with proximity to the poor and kinship. Can you tell us about this connection between the two?
0: Yeah. I, I think I talk often about what I call the biblical imperative of proximity. I just, I think there is not I can't read scripture and come up with a way of following Jesus that doesn't insist on proximity Mm. to the poor for me. Mm. Um, And and the reason I say that is let's go back to uh, the most famous justice moment in Jesus' ministry when he turns over the tables in the temple, (laughs) right? So that's a justice moment because Jesus— is flipping tables of money changers, which have Mm -hmm. been set up in the court of the Gentiles. He's working against
1: a system in that one. Right, so Mm -hmm. there's a
0: system that's Mm -hmm. got multiple problems with it. One Mm -hmm. is that the priests are massively price hiking the the animals that are used to sacrifice, so essentially they're ripping people off, they're trying to purchase forgiveness— um, the second issue by like using their priestly an,
1: authority, saying, yeah. "I'm sorry, your dove isn't good enough. Exactly. We found a yeah. blemish, no. but we have you. a dove for sale yeah. for right. Some wow. That costs price.
0: yeah, that costs six times as much as the dove that you bought at the market outside. Goodness. Yeah. But you, there's also a temple currency exchange, and the sanctuary shekel is what you use in and here. And it's
1: tied to the Roman Empire, which mm-hmm. is yep. getting mm-hmm. a cut of everything.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's financially corrupt. It. And then on top of that, they've set the market up in the court of the Gentiles, which was the only place of prayer and worship for the Gentile mm-hmm. nations. So there's also a racial injustice mm-hmm. happening. Um, wow. and, and it should be noted um, that the construction of the temple was not racist. It was actually God ordained as a continuing to unfold picture of intimacy mm-hmm. with of intimacy. God. So we're, we're working our way there. But yeah. the way the priests were occupying the construction mm-hmm. of that temple during the time of Jesus was in fact racist. Yeah, um, and, and so Jesus that. is pushing against that. So there's there's a lot of things going on mm-hmm. here. And often people will raise the banner of look, Jesus is speaking out on behalf of the oppressed. He's doing the work of justice. He's flipping the tables of the money changers and I would say absolutely all of that is true. Mm-hmm. However, Jesus, for three years before that, became friends with the victimized. Mm. He identified with the victimized. He visited he the leper colony. He of the victimized. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He visited mm. the leper mm. colony. Mm. Uh, he stood the paralyzed mm. up and invited them to be his disciples. He cared for the sex worker mm. and the widow. He, Jesus immersed himself in relationship to the poor mm. before he ever in an outspoken way, defended the cause Mm -hmm. of the poor. And so if we are going to follow Jesus into the way of justice, I would just humbly suggest that you start by really quietly immersing yourself in relationship to the poor. And I would also, just with a ton of humility, I would honestly say that if the frequency of your posts or the loudness of your voice exceeds the relationship you oh, have with the people you're posting right. or speaking out on behalf of, I I would humbly suggest that you quiet down and immerse yourself in relationship. Yeah. And then after you've immersed yourself in a relationship, raise your voice. Yeah. You know, there's oh, nothing wrong so with powerful. raising your
2: voice starting point. But I, I think mean, that's so important. Wow.
1: To your anger point, one of the things that's always striking to me about the temple story is I think people read that like Jesus walked into the temple, mm, he saw injustice, yeah, yeah. and he just like went yeah. livid, made yeah. a whip. Spontaneous went for zeal. It. Yeah. And what a just a honest reading of the text will clearly you don't need to be a Bible scholar to figure this out. He had been to that temple mm. likely hundreds of times. Mm. He'd seen that scene since yeah. he was a boy, since mm. he's at least 12 years old. He'd been there. He'd yeah. seen that. He'd been mm. teaching right a couple hundred feet yeah. away from yeah. that. So that decision, which you know, a number of New Testament scholars like N.T. Wright argue was an intentional decision that Jesus made because he knew it would get him killed. Mm-hmm. that that was the decision. Mm-hmm. The Jesus that. knew mm-hmm. that standing up against the temple yeah. system, you can, you can mess mm-hmm. as a rabbi up in Galilee with ideas, yeah. but you go to yeah. the heart of the system, the temple, which was the yeah. heart of the corruption between the Roman yeah. Empire and the Jewish aristocracy, yeah. and you throw over the table, mm-hmm. you are saying, kill me right now, mm-hmm. in a sense. like Jesus mm-hmm. made an intentional decision, knowing yeah. the cost on the other side. Yeah. The point there is that this was a long, mm-hmm. patient deliberate choice that Jesus made after mm-hmm. years of some kind of preparation and planning in his heart. Mm-hmm. relational and proximity. It, yeah, was it was not a fly off the handle in yeah, the moment, kind of range. Of moment Well, range, said yeah. This was a decision that yeah. Jesus made to give his life.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something, too, to be said about, like, proximity that also informs what the cry is. Because sometimes in, as people are sort of enraged about sort of specific kind of injustice or, like, how they would like to see justice be, like, come to its, like, basically resolve is that they're crying out in a way that the people who are, who are kind of... um who are afflicted are not, like they're asking for different needs. So there's something about proximity that even informs what is mm. even being said. What you're like, trying to do or advocate for or pray completely. for. Absolutely, because it might be different from different perspectives from mm. the one who's living in, in those conditions. Absolutely. You know?
0: yeah. to, to, to draw a modern-day example, yeah. You know, there's probably no more popular book written on justice in my lifetime than Just Mercy by Bryan Brian Stevenson, Stevenson. Mm. which yeah, is incredible. Yeah. And this is—I I was brought to tears several times reading that book mm-hmm. by this simple fact that he has he has a lot to say mm-hmm. about the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. about the death penalty, about—you know, he has—he yeah. argues statistics and facts yeah. and laws. Like, mm-hmm. he has things yeah. to say about that. But when he talks about justice, the way he talks about it is— through names and faces Mm -hmm. and stories. It's just Mm -hmm. person after person. They're individual people that he immersed himself in relationship with. Mm -hmm. And so the conclusions he's drawing, agree or disagree with the conclusions, I'm simply saying he is drawing the conclusions in the way of Jesus, which
3: is immersed in in approximate relationship. Conclusions are being drawn from that And his godly grandmother was the one who taught him about proximity. Mm. You remember she said, only love she said something along that she would hug him tightly and she said you can't understand till you get this close or something wow. like that so he learned it from wow. heritage incredible. too beautiful oh,
2: i love that i love that now as we're drawing now these parallels of like fast and justice can you help us just like expand on that um how does fasting tie to justice and mercy
0: yeah i i would say in a number of ways i mean maybe a question people would ask when they hear this part of the practice would be like How on earth is not eating supposed to help people (laughs) who don't have enough to eat? Mm -hmm. And and I would just say this, that my experience, and Yinka, you were speaking on this a minute ago, but is that when I'm hungry, it's very difficult for me to think about anything other Mm -hmm. than relieving my hunger, right? yeah. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm going through the day yeah. distracted by the fact that my body feels weak, I feel hungry, yeah. I'm beginning to daydream about what <laughs> I'll eat when yeah. I do eat, yeah. everything like Breath that. stinks. And, and that, that is an invitation for empathy and compassion. Mm. So the scripture says of Jesus, mm. we have a great high priest who can yeah. empathize with our weaknesses. Yes. Yeah. And so one way that I become like Jesus is I willingly discomfort my body in a way that other people are unwillingly Mm. discomforted in their body. Mm. And the reason I do that is so that I can grow in empathy. Mm. It's going to be really hard for me to love the poor the way Jesus loves the poor if there's not a sacrificial practice by Mm. which I'm training myself to Mm. love the poor, right? This is practicing the way. We're acknowledging that we have a holistic spirituality. Mm. And so if I'm just... Hoping to grow in compassion, but I'm not doing anything to intentionally and sacrificially mm-hmm. empathize. Yeah, I'm probably fooling myself Yeah, um, I've been there and, and then <laughs> also, you know <laughs> one of the words most frequent words used mm-hmm. to describe the character of God throughout mm-hmm. scriptures compassion mm-hmm. Which literally translates from Hebrew into English as co-suffering yeah. 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 and so this is again. It is a Godly mm-hmm. act to co-suffer on behalf yeah. of another. And of course, yeah. we know that all of Jesus's compassion, his co-suffering was voluntary and sacrificial, mm-hmm. right? He stripped himself, it's Philippians 2. Jesus willingly- it's incarnation. Yeah, oh. he willingly- he chose to be born yeah. into it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Willingly, sacrificially, yeah. chose to strip himself of the right- Mm. Uh, all all of the rights that he had in order to enter into my suffering. Mm. And so how do I imitate Christ Mm. and become more like him? I don't have a right to three meals a day of a variety of foods I choose from. So it's not even Christ-like eating. It's not the same. But one small way that I enter into that action of Jesus is to restrain my own appetites on behalf of those who don't mm. have the ability to make that choice. And then, of course, when that is cultivated in you, you grow in compassion, yeah. you grow in empathy, yeah. and hopefully you become the sort of person yeah. that is making a felt difference in, yeah. in the lives of the poor. And then there's also more practical ways that it, it helps yeah. to the poor. Like, Jaren, what you are already talking about, I have similar practices in my life. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful, and... That quote from Pope Francis that you mentioned. I I think that if you have a regular practice of fasting that is not connected with the Mm -hmm. poor, then you should just get creative and start start testing some stuff. Start trying to figure ways to connect your fasting to the poor because you're missing a key element of the spiritual practice and you are missing out uh, Mm -hmm. if it's disconnected Mm -hmm. from caring for the
1: poor. Tyler, do you have like a paradigm or a grid that you think about fasting through? like the actual practice of fasting?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I typically think of fasting as three different things. Uh, one is as praying with my body. Yeah. Um, so I I think when I'm fasting, uh, a number of things happen regularly. I uh, have an embarrassing amount of stomach growls oh. throughout the workday. <laughs> totally relate. <really. laughs> I, you know, feel feel weak, and I have these moments of... Mm of daydreaming especially when I get later into the afternoon like when I'm getting toward the 24 hour mark I'll start having little like click daydreams to like you know what what do I have going on this evening <laughs> what am I, I going to break this fast and I will think of all of those as you know, my body signifying hunger. But the reason that I'm fasting is not because if I make this hurt, God is more likely to (laughs) like do something That's important to say. The reason that I'm fasting is Mm. because I have a hunger that is deeper than satisfying this Mm. bodily hunger. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a hunger for like what Jesus called bread you don't know about to his disciples, which is to do the will Mm -hmm. of my father who is in heaven. Yeah. But because I'm a human being, when I satisfy myself on cheaper hungers, like more surface level hungers, yeah. it's harder for me to get in touch with that deep mm-hmm. hunger yeah. that's mm-hmm. within me. Yeah, And so I fast to get in touch with that deep hunger. Mm. Or the source of the energies that are available mm-hmm. to you. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So then as I'm going throughout my day and I feel my body weak or my stomach is growling or my mind begins to wander, I don't always use that as a cue to pause and verbally pray. But I think of it as my body praying, yeah. saying mm. to God, I'm not satisfying this mm. hunger. You can hear my stomach growling. And that's because I'm hungry for something deeper than what my stomach is growling mm. for. So will you satisfy me with that? Mm. Mm. Um, so I think of it as praying <laughs> with my body. <laughs> I Secondly, I think of fasting as acquired taste. All right? Jesus promises that mm. when heaven and earth are restored, it's going to be like a great wedding banquet. Mm. Um, and I want to hunger for his table. Because it's the only one that will satisfy me. But that takes acquired taste. You know, it takes fine-tuning my taste buds Mm. toward that table. And I do find it interesting, just kind of mysterious, that all of the greatest delicacies in this yeah. life are acquired tastes, pretty much, right? Mm. Like oh. coffee, caviar. wine, caviar, yeah. really fancy aged yeah. cheese. Yeah. All of these are things that most mm. people at mm. first taste aren't like,
2: this is delicious. Yeah. Yes, yeah. what three-year-old
1: like wants to go no, to fine absolutely. dining or a Michelin star restaurant? Exactly. They would order a quesadilla. To <laughs> to <identify. laughs> no, but it's interesting
2: to learn to identify well, like this taste for coffee. I mean, I remember first Movement to America and thinking coffee was the I was like, this is bitter, but people pretending to enjoy this? Like, what's Mm -hmm. happening here? And then actually having an acquired taste over the last, God knows, 17 years or something, for coffee, actually craving it. So that's incredible, isn't it?
0: It is, and and fasting is a way that I resist surface-level appetites to acquire a taste for the feast that satisfies, that Mm. Jesus will bring. So I think of fasting also as acquired taste, and then finally... Mm. I think if fasting is growing in compassion for the poor, which is what we've been talking about. Mm. And part of your mm. frame,
1: right, is, you know, I've heard you say some really interesting things about how you have to resist, I think what you would call the idols of the city. Yeah, mm. yeah. In order to minister to the city. I mean, suss that out for us.
0: Yeah, so I, mm. I think... Fasting and consecration are tightly linked biblically. Define
1: yeah. that for people that are new to the concept of consecration.
0: Yeah. Consecration literally means to make holy mm-hmm. or to make sacred. Yeah. Or to set something aside yeah. for yeah. sacred use. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so when we... So it's
1: different than morality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Know, Absolutely. Like being good or being bad. Yes. Consecration is like food, giving up food. You're not giving up something evil.
0: Yeah. Right. So, so fasting... Mm. You know, throughout church history, mm-hmm. has been giving up food for a set period of time. Mm-hmm. Consecration would be more giving up anything that's mm-hmm. neutral. It's not giving up a sinful pattern yeah. or behavior. Yeah. Right? That's right. called that's obedience. Yes. right?
1: You're right.
4: It's giving up a neutral thing. So let's yeah.
0: let's take something like alcohol. Let's mm-hmm. say. I, I like to enjoy a glass of wine on the weekend or coffee. It's, mm. These are neutral appetites. Yeah. They're not sinful things. Mm. And yet they are things that I can use to mask something that God is oh, meant yeah. to give me, yeah. right? A thousand times, I yeah. can use a glass of wine on a Friday evening yeah. to give me the deep sort of rest. Mm-hmm. I can choose escape instead of rest. Yeah. So I can yeah. escape into yeah. a glass of wine And take out Tiki Masala and three episodes of that (laughs) Netflix show. (laughs) And that can be used as a coping mechanism that gives me a faux experience of what the Holy Spirit is meant to give me. I think this is one of the reasons Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because wine is an access point to Mm -hmm. something that we are made to receive from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's or it's not a real access point, it's yes. a faux access yeah. point. Something we're made to receive from yeah. the Holy Spirit. So when we consecrate, um, I would encourage people to think of fasting or consecration against the idols of the place God has called them to mm-hmm. minister to. So to think, what's the city God's called me to minister in? What's the people group that God has called yeah. me to minister to? Yeah. And what are the idols of this place? In other words, what are the fake substitutes Mm. that are subtly robbing the people I'm called to minister to Mm. of the things that the spirit wants to give them? And what would it mean for me to lose a taste for Mm. those very things? And I believe this is what spiritual authority is. Mm -hmm. It is to, Rid myself of the idols of the land that God has called me to so that those same idols, they're not, they don't have any Mm -hmm. real estate or authority in my life. Detachment. Right. And so all of a sudden I'm able to, I'm a dangerous agent for the kingdom Mm -hmm. of God in this place. What's What's the Chesterton quote about that? Um. The uh, uh, it is the paradox of history uh, yes. that each mm-hmm. generation is converted by the saints who contradict it most. Yes. Uh, wow, that
2: is incredible. So, so, for
0: instance, I currently minister in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, pretty melancholy city. Yeah, and so I think a lot about joy and mm-hmm. cultivating joy in my life. Yeah. Um. Because I would say, what is the fruit of the spirit that contradicts the place God's called mm-hmm. me to most? I, and Currently, I would identify it as joy. Yeah and, yeah, and so what do I need to rid myself of? And then what do I need to put on? Mm-hmm. What do I need to repent of? And what do I need to trust yeah. in? What do I need to take off? And how do yeah. I need to put on Christ? Passive and in active. To, yes, yeah, in order to be an agent absolutely. for the kingdom here. So fasting is that too. Oh, fasting oh. or Reed. consecration, it is mm. prophetic living. It is the yes. way that I rid myself of the idols of the land, that mm. I grow in spiritual authority and power. Um, so that I can minister in the way of Jesus in the most powerful right. way in the place he's called me to. And there that's not just crazy ideas. That's a biblical oh, model, right? Yeah. yeah. Jesus was baptized, driven by the Spirit into the yes. wilderness, comes yes. back into the city clothed in power
1: and authority. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Beautiful. Wow. All right, before we're done, can you just give us a little of the pragmatics? Like, how do you do this on oh, a yeah. just uber-pragmatic kind of level? Yeah. Like, what does this actually look like for you?
0: So for for me, I have one day a week where I fast from dinner to dinner, so a 24-hour period of fasting. On that day, um, I make a donation of the amount of money I would have spent on breakfast and lunch to an organization mm-hmm. that I really believe in that does good work for the poor. Yeah. Um, the It's that same day that I have a rhythm of service with my my community, which is our term for small groups within our local church. But with my Bridgetown community, we do service um, at a women's shelter and we serve dinner. So we prepare Mm -hmm. and serve dinner. So I close my fasting with preparing, serving dinner, and then break my fast eating dinner uh, with some of the more struggling and oppressed people Mm -hmm. in the city that I get to call home um, and so that's my regular rhythm that's what it looks yeah. like that's how I connect it um, yeah. but I also have a rhythm so we in my home um, I'm raising three little boys yeah how does yeah. this work with family <laughs> and kids and-, and I want to invite them into the way of Jesus in mm. ways that are memorable to them and that become yeah. a part of them growing up and so one of the easiest ways for that is Sabbath because mm. on the Sabbath we're feasting Yeah. <laughs> and I get to tell them you know like Did you know that before pizza was real, yeah. <laughs> all these ingredients were an idea in the mind of God.
3: Yes. <laughs> you know? And he knew, he gave us the intellect <laughs> to put them together <laughs> oh in this combination. God,
2: I <laughs> love that so much. Um, just know.
3: picture Hank going.
2: <laughs> <I> always <laughs> yeah, <have> So, <laughs>
0: so that, that kind of thing. So we we feast together on Sabbath and that's mm. amazing. I mean, it's so fun mm. for my kids all week to be like, how many more days so until, until Sabbath? Oh, you know? I love that. Um, and we also have uh, a regular practice in our family is equally a weekly tradition of having a nightly meal of just rice and beans. And that's because the majority of the world lives almost exclusively on rice and beans. Mm. And so on that night, we pray for one person that we know or have interacted with recently that we think this person probably doesn't get to choose what they eat. Mm. And I'm simply trying to teach my kids who are six, four and one, the one year old, I don't think he's tracking will <laughs> yeah, be here for whatever. My older so two, smiling. Yeah, he's my so, older two, Hank so... and Simon, I'm trying to teach mm-hmm. them that we have a refrigerator full mm. of food. Yeah. And so we make choices for what we eat. And that makes us a sociological anomaly. Mm. And this is one of the ways that we know God's kindness to us. Mm. God's image is in the food, mm. you know, um, and yet, when we become entitled to it and we disconnect the gift from the giver, we lose the best part of all of yeah. it. And yeah. so it's a way just to try to train us in compassion together as a family. That's a good word, and I'll be yeah. honest, it's it comes with mixed results. Yeah you know, there's been seasons where I'll just pull away from it for a bit because mm. if if it starts to feel like something I'm forcing rather than something we're doing together, I think like this is probably doing more harm than good mm. for my little boys. But for most of the time, it's been something beautiful that we're doing together. And I've seen it. I've seen it work transformation Mm. in the lives of my kids who regularly come and serve with me at Night Strike that you're talking about before, Jaron, who serve at Shepherd's Door alongside us and who I hear often pray for those that they notice and interact with. Mm. Even now in hank my oldest son even in his class he's beginning to notice small ways that kids might be discarded excluded Mm -hmm. something like that and feel compassion for them note it and pray for them and i think a lot of that is connected here to what we're talking Mm -hmm. about so that's what it that's what it looks like for us and i just want to be really clear about this one thing in closing is that and sometimes, despite all my best mm. intentions, I just don't eat for a day, and I mostly think about when I'm going to get to eat again. Yeah. And so, there's this is a, a spiritual practice of intentional discomfort, Totally. Mm. and it requires a great amount of intention to yeah. actually taste the fruit of the practice, mm. the fruit. And I would say at my worst, I just get to the finish line. Mm. And so if you're beginning to fast yeah. and all it feels like is, I'm just getting to the finish line, I would say just stay with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Continue to try to yeah. like taste of the fruit of the practice. And the more you do it, the mm. more sacred to you it will become. Yeah. And this practice has become sacred to me mm. over years, Yeah. but it's taken a long time you know yeah.
2: mm, beautiful oh incredible thank you so much tyler john mark Jar. and this has been so rich to get to just listen in and oh absolutely beautiful and thank you to those who are listening um please share this with your friends we really do believe that what we're inviting you um has the potential to be quite transformative and because of that shamelessly ask you to share with friends post on the interwebs and subscribe and like and John Mark anything else you want to add
1: oh no just thank you for listening Tyler thank you so much yeah, for being yeah. here I'm just what so like my heart is soaring right now and yeah. so inspired mm, and absolutely and Jay and Yinka yeah. oh, I just love you both so much oh, so, so, so grateful so that you would join you, in John these Mark. four conversations yeah. and you know for those of you listening I think our hope is that you would more than just Listen to the Mm. concept of fasting, but that you would give it a try, that you would practice, and more than just practice it for a few Mm. weeks or try it once or twice or three times, that you would stay with it long enough Mm. to follow that J curve. If you've ever studied that Mm. in learning theory, (laughs) down where it's worse, 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 hits rock bottom, (laughs) and then goes back up to about medium, and then up into wow. And again, Mm. with all of this, the point is not. The practice, the practice is a means to an end, whether it's Sabbath or fasting or scripture. Mm -hmm. It's all about the telos of becoming people of love in a community of love Mm -hmm. with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's such a powerful practice if you just would give yourself to Mm -hmm. Jesus through it over time. And just closing thought, one thing I do think we have to remember is, in the life of Jesus, you see this alternating rhythm of both fasting and feasting. Yeah. So both the discipline of mm-hmm. fasting and the discipline yeah. of throw a party yeah, on Sabbath yeah, night Gendre and pour the wine. Yes. Somebody <laughs> just did the math for me on how many gallons. I forget what it was in the, the oh. Cana story. And it was like 600 gallons <laughs> oh or something goodness. obscene <laughs> of water that Jesus, I'm like, oh, sorry, Baptist. That, that one did not go well for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was so many gallons. Um But both are based on the life of Jesus.
2: Mm.
1: There's this back and forth between fasting and feasting. Mm. And so we we feast because Jesus feasted, and we fast because Jesus fasted, and we're disciples Mm. of Jesus. But one thing that I find so beautiful is that fasting is temporary, but feasting Mm. is eternal. Yes. Well said. So right now we do both. Yes and we yes. but one day we will just mm-hmm. feast you know and the biblical imagery of eternity as a meal around a table oh. with a new humanity of Jew oh plus Gentile goodness. and yes. justice and peace and righteousness yeah. rolls down like a river yes, like yes, right yes. so we fast yeah. in order to plead with God mm-hmm. to bring that future into our present mm-hmm. and to hasten the day but we also feast mm-hmm. in order to let our heart index our heart to the <gasps> hope of a day where we live in a world and in a community and a new yeah, humanity yeah, of peace yeah. and a righteousness oh. and of justice. So beautiful, may you fast and may you yes, feast yes. and may you live in light of Christ's return. Yeah. Yinka, Amen. would you close us with the benediction that yeah. we used for the four sessions in the practice? Yeah. Would you close with this benediction from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ.